<laughs> I want you. Okay, hold on. I want you to imagine you've opened your fortune cookie. Fill your cake stand with art, house with dirt, and your birthday cards with hair. It's the new Bible. There. Know the system you're messing with before you mess with it. Know the system you're messing with before. You... Yes. That's it. Check. Done. That was the fastest one yet. Is it worth the wait? Catherine and you are Michelle. I am Michelle. And this is our podcast. And tell us about it, Michelle. Our podcast. We every fortnight ish, we bring you three things each. What are those things, Catherine? They are a weird thing, a pop culture thing, and a research thing. And And then then what do we do? We put them all together and turn them into a little fortune cookie saying so that you can reflect and hopefully make your life better or at least more interesting. Yeah, or yell at the uh, yell at whatever device you're listening to us on about how we got it wrong and there's a better fortune cookie to be had, which I know happens sometimes. Um, and I like to hear it. I like to hear what I miss. But we're both in really good moods. We are. Uh, we're bringing the energy. Maybe we also both are tired. We always start recording it and say, "I'm tired. I'm out of it." But it, you know, is good. it's it's late. It's episode fifty one. I do want to make a quick note that we will not be having a podcast in the next fortnight. We will be back very soon. Yes. I am aware that between now, when you're listening to my voice and our next podcast, it's going to be Halloween. I'm also learning that I think my favorite season is fall. Oh my gosh. 100% my season is my favorite season is fall. I don't understand how anyone has any other favorite seasons to the point that I sometimes (laughs) wonder if I am a different species from some of my friends, like people who love summer. I'm like, are you like, what does your, I have, I have a friend who might even be listening to this. Hello. I'm sorry that I'm using you as an example (laughs) of the people I can't understand, but I think an example of being wrong. Well, so she's like so cold right now and she's so miserable and like shivering. And I'm like, this is the best. Like, I feel like I've been released from prison. Those of you who are listening from somewhere else, um, I am in Missouri 
And it is currently during the day, like between 55 and 60, cloudy, a little windy, and absolutely wonderful. I can put on a hoodie, but I don't need a coat. I don't need gloves, but if like, I, but I'm a little bit chilly, I might shiver now and then. I am so happy and I feel like I have been released from a prison and I'm allowed to be outside again. <laughs> I totally agree. And I didn't realize it. I think I would have said I liked winter or summer. Summer, I think people conflate like, I conflate how much I love the ocean and the beach, but that is not, not summer in summer. and of itself. You just love the ocean and the beach. Yes. And, and you go there in the summer. That's like a lot right. of people are like, oh, and they, they start listing activities. I'm like, you like activities that happen in the summer. You don't like the summer. Summer. Exactly. Same with winter. I like the winter holidays. I like the activities. So yeah. I just, I just uh -huh. refused. I realized that I just refused to buy summer clothes because I hate summer so much. <laughs> And I hate the clothes I have to wear to make summer bearable. So, like, suddenly I have clothes again because now I can wear, yeah. like, pants. Just, like, you can be, yeah, all of my fashion. <laughs> exactly. Same. Same, same, same. But also I do love just the consumerism of it all. I love going and getting, like, a pumpkin cookie from Panera. I love all of the Trader Joe's things. I love a cinnamon broom. Um and I don't think I love any other seasons, like things you purchase to feel in the mood. And maybe it's because everything's dying and we need more things to like get a little in a mood. boost. But like Hallmark movies, Hallmark fall movies. Oh, give me a pumpkin festival and a bakery in trouble. I'm whiffing my cinnamon broom, having a seasonal candle along with it, drinking a seasonal tea. Ah, ah, love it. Um. Anyway, enough about this. Uh Speaking of that, though, it is going to be Halloween, which I also love. I love it. I love seeing people's decorations. I think they're more fun and oftentimes more creative than Halloween, Christmas decorations. Anyway. And it's low all pressure. This... It doesn't have all the, like, baggage of Christmas right. or Thanksgiving. Like, it's just, like, fun. And, I mean, I won't say it's, like, not consumerist because, obviously, people spend a bajillion dollars on candy. But it's, it doesn't have to be. You can have a very, like, yeah. like. My son is going as a swamp monster, which I, we bought a sweatsuit that I'm going to like sew some felt gills onto. And I do not have sewing skills. And like, he's going to be perfectly happy with that. And, you know, like, I feel like. Excellent. Yeah. Some ragtag elements to Halloween that just aren't there for the other holidays. Although, oh, they're coming for Halloween. I got very depressed because I read an article the other day about how to build your own boo basket and it was some fucking website sorry that i curse i'm mad about it that was trying to make boo baskets a thing and i've seen this a couple places now and they're like like an easter basket or a stocking no. at halloween you should buy something to fill up with shit that you buy no stop no it. no 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 how many baskets no. of things do we need i know we don't need them for every second of every day you just need some candy i love buying candy for my students we've talked about that but that's all halloween you can buy candy stop that's it no that's more it. So you need all all this to say that um i have decided wholeheartedly and maybe to mask a lack of effort on my part i have decided that all of my um topics are going to be themed for halloween and or just fall season yay so so taboo. I don't want to put a taboo on this by like saying, ooh, it's spooky, but I really, really liked it. So my weird thing is 
when you die, Michelle, what will happen to your body? Oh, I have lots of thoughts about this. Good, I, go. Like, I, I think I want to be careful because I respect that for other people, this is a very different thing and that like funerals are really important for them. And that the, like, I do not like funerals and not in the like, I'm so creeped out by them, but just in, in like the, I don't want any of that pomp and circle, which I've said since we yeah. were kids, like when we were young, I would say like, I don't want a funeral. You can throw me a death party. Um, but I definitely like, I've seen like the, the cost of like the coffins and the, all the it's kind of like a boo basket right like we don't need to buy Please. all this stuff i'm dead um so yeah i i mean i don't know what will happen because i have not researched the options but like i like the ones oh. where they like put them in a tree and you you become it like you know like you like become the, a tree become a tree like they plant you in the ground Michelle's making the universal symbol for become a tree become a tree yeah. become this a tree is, we all know this symbol right you start out as a circle and then you grow into spindles. branches become a tree <laughs> um so yeah um, but something something that is but i think that's really expensive too so like i mean honestly like as long as you've checked the pulse and made sure that I'm really gone. I don't really care because yeah, I don't have much attachment to a body as me. Like I, I yeah, me neither. My I'm identity is not tied up in my body. Like if I'm no longer alive, I don't think that's me anymore. Absolutely. I agree. And again, I want to respect people who yeah. don't feel that way. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying for me, I agree with that. And um, yeah, so I was so stoked when I heard about this and maybe you've heard about this but I was listening to a podcast which I've talked about before on this show ages ago this is the podcast that made me cry when it talked about seeds being stored away to see oh, yeah. how long they can last to see how long they can last before they sprout um and it's a podcast called science versus and I really love it but I did get a little burned out on it and I haven't listened to it for ages and I came back and they were they had had listeners vote for their favorite episode of all time. And I'm like, that's a good one to kick back in with. We can only go down from there. Composting human remains. Have you heard about composting human remains? No. Well, this was going to be my research thing. And then I realized that the research would just be telling you the entire podcast story and relaying it. I will quickly tell you about what I learned, but I highly recommend you go listen to the episode, which I will link to in the show notes. So like technology in within funerals and what we do with human remains has not changed for at least a hundred years. And that is basically right. Embalming in the U S cremating. Those are the big two and different places in the world have different ways of doing that. But at least in the U S those are the big ones. Now embalming people with formaldehyde formaldehyde is not good for anybody and actually Anyone. i like the people who have to do that work are yeah it's really bad for them they have highly significant increased cases of cancers including leukemia um embalmers do and then cremation is also i thought oh cremation that's great terrible terrible for the environment um the metals in people's bodies like if you have fillings or other things they go right up into the air the carbon footprint of it is terrible. It 
causes a lot of problems for the environment, not sound. And so many people get cremated a year in the U.S. alone that that has significant impact. So what is to be done? What are your alternatives? Get turned into a tree. And this is a version of it. But the podcast was fascinating because if I asked you, basically, they knew that farmers compost animals often that if a cow or a chicken dies they will use it for compost and a cow's way bigger than a person exactly so this person named katrina spade and i think spade is a funny last name for someone who's doing composting work um basically heard that and said if you can compost a cow you can absolutely compost a human body and she said about again listen to the podcast a really fascinating process of learning how to do that and at first she wanted to um, have just a giant building where everyone's humans remains. It would have been a lot more efficient and better if all the bodies could be in one big space and composted together. She realized that so you start putting masses of bodies in a building, that's not a good look. And people do, you want, people are sentimental about their loved ones. And so now this place, I'll link to in the show notes, is called Recompose. It's an amazing website. And you do have to pay them. It isn't super cheap. I looked up the average cost of a funeral in the U.S. is about $7,500. And I know from start to finish, this process costs $7,000. So it's not cheap, but it is excellent for the environment. It's not hurting the environment. It is helping the environment. And they have found a mixture of alfalfa and wood chips. They place the body in a kind of plastic individual cylinder and people can you can go and visit your loved one while they decompose you can like sit by them and read or talk to them um they say a lot of the containers have images of who's in them and they're very respectful of the people who are willing especially it's still kind of in it's not in early early stages but it's a new thing to do and they're very mindful of that and even the website has obituaries of everyone who has decided to do this and it was very cool to look through that and like learn about those people um so they cover them in wood chips and alfalfa they put them in these containers and they make composting soil if i asked you how long does it take for a body to decompose into soil we covered in alfalfa and wood chips from that moment where it's a full human body to a beautiful and they human bodies make a lot of dirt by the way there's a lot of compost coming from this sacks and sacks of it but if i told you how long do you think that process would take again like like the bones and everything yeah not in nature but in this process that they have set up to do it efficiently and this is this is they don't they just put the body in here like it's not like i don't want to get too morbid with it but they don't like cut you up or No, no, they're not (laughs) cutting you up to fit in the container so that your bones decompose quicker. And it is the bones, too. Yeah, they have a whole system. Five years? Three to five weeks. What? I know. I know. Three to five weeks. Apparently, guess what? Human bodies love to decompose. It's what they're meant to do when they're dead. Um, They leak all of these things once you die that are for decomposition and help it along and are amazing amazing for plant growth right like go figure human bodies 
meant to just be in the ground and decompose. Um, it's the circle of life. Yeah, so, um, and they kept talking about it, that it smelled so good. I just got into composting too. So I'm really into this because I can't even get an eggshell to decompose that fast. But, and, but I am just so impressed that I throw all my yard waste in and then it has amazing smelling soil. They do that with a human body. And they're like, no, it never smells like rotting. It's just good compost. We make sure the microbes are always happy. And then you can take the soil that your loved one made. And I plant a tree in it. Plant a tree in it. Exactly. So exactly. I have I have a bag of compost in, downstairs. It's not from a human body. It is from my food waste. But I did sure. not. So I, well, I guess I don't know what other people in the program put in their buckets, <laughs> but they're not very big buckets. So, um, but like I, it's a composting like program where I put my bucket out once a week and they take it away. And then twice a year, they're like, would you like a bag of <gasps> compost from your dirt thing yeah i love that especially if you don't have like space for a full composting thing there are some issues with this the cost it does cost a lot they're still working it out they hope to get the cost down but that what is if, what if you're willing to go into the giant everybody just gets composted together vat can you get like a bargain yeah can i can i be put in the master grape place? Yes. i would i mean right. i i do love the idea that someone can go and sit with you while you decompose but like they can, I, that's they very can just special. make a cylinder in their own house and sit by it like yeah you can put the dirt in it after you get it yeah and save five thousand dollars yeah i really so, like yeah go spend five thousand dollars on some like art that reminds you of me um but the main issue with this is it's not there are so many laws about what you can do with a dead human body in the united states it's very difficult to do something like this and actually katrina spade who was in Washington, which is the first state to legalize human composting because she went out and got that legislation done so she could do this, which is so impressive. So it is approved. You can have your body composted in Washington, in Colorado, which is I loved living in Colorado. And that makes me happy again. Oregon, Vermont, California, New York and Nevada. Hmm. That's do you have to be from those states legal. or can you can you have your remains I am there. pretty sure you can have your remains shipped there. You just can't compost human bodies on the land of other okay. states. Some of those, interestingly enough, have been passed, but have were passed. And I don't know. I didn't. This isn't my research thing. But it's really interesting to me that a lot of these laws were passed, but they don't take effect for years and years. So, for example, huh. California, it was approved in 2022, but it won't take effect until 2027. So... Huh. I don't know what they're trying to get prepared for. I and, wonder if they just have to like give the funeral industries a Oh, like, I bet you're like right. an embargo or something. It's like when marijuana became legal in places, right? That it was just we have to make sure that the same people who always get rich can get rich from yep. this. Um, heaven forbid that anybody anybody new benefit from their We're different, yeah. So yeah, I definitely 100% absolutely, if any of my loved ones are listening to this, I'm sorry it costs so much money. I'll start saving, but I want to be composted by recompose if possible, because they seem to be class acts leading the industry. Um, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I like that plan. I feel like that, yeah, gives me something concrete to say, do this, this thing here. Here's yes, a website. Compost. Yeah, great website. Look at the show notes. <laughs> So what's your weird thing? Um, so I'm going to tell you a story. 
it begins with me not really doing much during COVID, like a lot of us, right? Just didn't go into any restaurants for a very long time, did a lot of takeout, um, started cooking at home more, figured some stuff, like, you know, like restaurants just became kind of a thing that I didn't experience very much. And often I don't miss them that much. Like, um, and especially since we would, like, I don't know, I had little kids going into COVID. Now I have bigger kids, but it would often be stressful in a restaurant. That's anyway, how so kids, that's, that's how, how kids, kids work. work. <laughs> um, so they, they, uh, so I don't know, my like expectations and experiences have shifted, but not that long ago, we went to Qdoba because we, through a mishap of boring stories, the dinner we were supposed to have was not thought out in time for it to become a dinner. And it was a very long, exhausting day. And I was like, there's a Qdoba right up the road. Let's go. So I went to go I have been there. pick up my Qdoba. And I was like, well, this is disappointing because things are not going as I'd like. And I like having things to go the way I planned them. But at least I can get to go to the Qdoba where there is a freestyle soda machine and I can get a cherry ginger ale. Do you know the freestyle soda machines? I absolutely do not. What is okay. a freestyle soda so machine? So freestyle soda machine is from Coca-Cola and it was this amazing machine that promised you like a hundred and actually like, like 167 different flavors of soda, I think is, is the, the promise story behind them. Um, and so it has basically all of coca-cola's brands and then you can mix in flavors so you can customize basically any drink you want like so you could add vanilla to any any of coca-cola's sodas or you could add cherry or you can add i don't remember what else because i always just add a cherry um and so i would get a cherry ginger ale which is a rare thing to be able to get and there's something very delicious about uh you know soda from a soda machine it's like more carbonated oh, yeah. it's just really good so like A very oh my carbonated, gosh. sparkly cherry ginger ale. So good. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just looked up the freestyle soda machine so I could just see what it looks like. And have you ever seen the, the Righteous Gemstones? The show? Oh, is wait, the Righteous Gemstones? About uh, um, evangelical super church leaders, mega church leaders. No, I've not seen this. I love it. I think it's excellent. I just got into it. But there's a very funny joke that I guess I didn't quite get the weight of in which one character is gifted a freestyle soda machine and is trying to explain to his siblings what a big deal a freestyle soda machine is. And then one <laughs> sibling destroys it and it's very upsetting. But now I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Now that I know it is very special. So and I have lived in or around this neighborhood for the past 15 years and so this Qdoba has been a staple of my life at different ways at different times and I saw this freestyle machine get put in right like it felt like the future it felt like we had arrived at this moment when we went from only having five options or six options most of which I did not like to being able to get a drink I really enjoyed anytime right here at this machine. And I had not used it for a long time because I had not been going into restaurants and it was too difficult to try to get sodas curbside because just nobody remembers to put them in the thing. Um, so yeah. here I was, I was like, fresh. yes, I'm going to go in. I'm going to get a cherry ginger ale. And I walk in and the freestyle soda machine is gone. And in its place is this very old looking, just regular soda machine. And I was, I was just really, I was like, well, did it, 
what what and so then i went and looked it up and there's a whole reddit thread about how all the qdovas are getting rid of them there's people who work at qdova being like yeah because they're a pain in the ass and they're expensive because you have to buy all the little flavor packets and like instead of just being able to pop out because you've worked fast food so you've seen like the big yeah bags of syrup exactly that they come in like you have to instead of just being able to pop out like one of the giant syrup bags for the five soda flavors or whatever you have to do all these little cartridges and push all these buttons and it's annoying and and i i know i sound like a grumpy old man yelling back in my day um but like i just feel like things are just a little bit worse all the time like You've said this before, and I totally agree. <laughs> And I do think this is absolutely it's an just indicator. felt like Absolutely. an like a very clear like the freestyle soda machine was better and this soda machine is worse and i just i and i think that like instead of it being like a giant decline that we're all like oh my gosh things are terrible we're like the the lobsters being slowly boiled Yep. to be conditioned to be like it's just a little bit worse it's just a little bit where are you really going to complain you really going to complain about the soda machine being changed It's for you the would workers, be yeah what do you you would be say? entitled and crazy and so like but it's just i don't know so the freestyle soda machine and the representation of the future being taken from us once again is my weird thing I'm so sorry. First they came for my freestyle soda machine and they did not speak up. <laughs> There's these little things and you feel so stupid, but I agree. I'm Yeah, sorry. I mean, I just, yeah, where is the, where is the line? Where are we going to say enough is enough? Give us the future we were promised. Or maybe you can find a freestyle soda machine on the black market and get it for yourself and put it in your basement next to your dirt. Your basement has a lot of outlets. There's It does. room. It does have a lot For of those outlets. of you who don't know, Michelle's basement has a surprising amount of outlets Oh, did I not tell you that I know what it was? Like pretty obviously. What was it? No. My neighbor, um, one of my neighbors told me um, my pre the previous owner was a woodworker. And so those were all set up for wood woodworking tables. In particular, he made paddles for the local S&M community. That is amazing. That's some <laughs> Ryan Murphy shit right there. <laughs> this is like so... a kindly old whittler doing that. If these walls could talk. I love that. I'm so glad we learned that. That's amazing. Um, okay, so pop culture. Pop culture. Again, I'm being seasonally themed here. And I, we're talking about why we love fall. I love scary movies, but I never watch them. They're not something I sit down and say, let's watch a scary movie until October hits. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I like them. And so I kicked off October by watching a scary movie on Netflix that I just was delighted by. I really loved it. It made me happy for many reasons. And I just want to recommend it here and maybe ask you what some of your favorite scary movies are. But the movie I saw, which is available on Netflix, is called Creep. Just C-R-E-E-P. And it is a very simple film. It's made by Patrick Bryce is the director and Mark Duplass from the Duplass Brothers. And they are the only people in that movie. There they are. 
um, Mark, Patrick Bryce, the director, is also a star of the film, and it's very low budget. Only Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass are in it. Very low budget. An excellent example of what you can do with not much if you're just good at it and the writing is excellent. And Mark Duplass is perfect in this role. I don't want to say much about it. I would go into it not knowing anything. It's a very short movie, too. It's like just almost 60 minutes. That's about it. Oh, wow. But I and it has no blood or guts, no on-screen violence, um, really. And despite that, it was so intense and so anxiety inducing that there were times I was just like, I I actually was covering my face saying, I can't watch. I can't watch. And it wasn't because of anything happening on screen. It was just because my anxiety was so up. So it, it does get your, you know, your levels up, but it's great. It's a great, scary movie. I cannot recommend it enough. Very much psychological terror, but no gore at all, if that's a concern. And uh, I'm not going to say it's kid appropriate, but it's great. And just made me think about what makes a good scary movie yeah so i can stomach gore completely like i i'm not bothered by gore but i also just am not like it it feels very cheap to me i'm like you are not you didn't do any work you're just like oh people don't like blood here's blood um and so like i'll watch it if it's campy and fun or whatever but like those aren't scary movies to me like i don't get creeped out by yeah. slasher flick it's definitely a crutch although i think we both agree that we loved renfield because of its, yeah, its use be, of gore a but plus. it was but it wasn't supposed to be scary right, right like right like you weren't you funny. weren't using yeah yeah or yeah. like you know like um tarantino's use of like over the top yeah. gore. like it's not it, it's not if you're not trying to do it to scare me fine but like if you're just trying to scare me and that's the only way you could think of to do it i just feel like you should have worked harder so I'm trying to think like what I mean because I have some favorite scary movies that don't necessarily like I love Children of the Corn like I will watch Children of the Corn like but it's not I mean it doesn't scare me I've Uh, never seen it and that was I was thinking about I was thinking about what we're going to talk about on the podcast today and I went on a walk down the lane um and I was surrounded by two cornfields and it was getting dark and I was like I'm glad I haven't seen that movie I don't know if it's literally about children there's definitely a cornfield yeah yep i'm glad i glad i didn't see it at that point you need to put it on the list i always think of cabin in the woods as like one of the best yeah yeah i like cabin in the woods what's the one where the um where the it's like a woman and she's deaf and she's being stalked is it just called it's not just called hush is it i'm gonna try to look it up i don't know if i've seen that i'm getting lots of good recommendations here Hush. I will say it's called Hush. Hush. It's oh, it was edited by Mike Flanagan. No map. No wonder oh, I like it so much. That I was also going to bring up because he ha- Mike Flanagan has a new Fall of the House of Usher. We watched, we watched one wait. episode. We watched one episode. It was really good. Um, and it, they all released it once, so I'm excited. I just oh, haven't nice. had time to watch anymore. Uh, there's also a new Goosebumps TV series. Huh. It's on Hulu. I think we're going to give that one a try too. So, That's um, exciting. yeah. I'm trying to think what else is a good scary movie that like genuinely freaked me out you know what movie disappointed me as 
a potentially great scary movie that I feel like just hostile. I felt like hostile had such a good idea for a scary movie and they just, just did it so like sophomoric. And I just felt like it could have been so much more interesting than it was. Absolutely. Um, um, I'm not going to make us sit in rack yeah. brains, but I think I have not seen Hush, so that's good. And yeah. I recommend you see Creep. I'd like to know what you think of it. Um, my brother, one of my brothers currently is watching, is just binge watching horror movies, watching like eight horror movies per weekend and rating them. It's great for your brain, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. But um, currently his top rated at a 9.8 out of 10 is a ghost story from 1981. Okay. Which I also have not seen. 9.8 um, out of 10. I have not 9. seen that. 9.8. And then 8 point, tied for a second with 8.9 is Poltergeist, the 1982 Poltergeist, and Kill List. I oh, haven't either. seen those. So yeah, go watch Creep, everybody. That is okay. my pop culture. It's a very, it's from like 2014. It's pretty old too. I don't know. You know, that's the joy of Netflix. They put, they bring something to the table and then it's just back like, in the culture. Yeah. All right. Ready for mine? I am. So my pop culture thing is, um, well, I'm going to talk about two books. I'm going to try not to spoil them because I think you're planning to read at least one of them. So I don't want to say anything too much about it. Um, so this, it, these are two books by the same author by Blake Crouch. Uh, the first one I read was called Recursion, which it is a time loop story. Yeah, and uh, yes, a time loop story. So, um, and people can, without again, without giving too much away about it, they find a way that they can go back and um, go back to moments in their life where they have a regret and start over. And like, so, like you know, for example, there's someone in there who um their child was killed in a car accident so they really want to go back and be able to tell their child not to take that route or to get them out of the way of the car um and so and then you know they live out the rest of their life with these memories of the way that it could have gone but with this one and so i i like time loops we've talked on here before oh, about yeah. time loops um so i just really enjoyed the book i thought it was very well written um and yeah, I, I could have been a little nitpicky about some of the messy logistics, but that's just true of any time loop story. And I feel like if you're already reading a time loop story to then be picky about that is not really fair. So uh, as a time Absolutely. loop story is very good. And then he also wrote a book called Dark Matter that is similar in theme, though it's not technically a time loop. It is about um, being able to, it's, it's, I guess it's a multiverse. So multiverse and being able to jump into that, that there are all these, you know, basically like the everything everywhere all at once, every yeah. possible thing you could do is out there. And some of the branches are closer to each other than others. And so if you could get on the right one um, and basically the general conceit, and I don't think I'm spoiling too much here because this, you figure this out pretty early is that there's a version of our narrator who we see first, who is very much in love with his wife and you know they have kids and they're happy but they both kind of gave up high-powered career opportunities in order to get there and now he's just kind of a a teaching professor instead of being like you know world-class researcher and she kind of dabbles in some art instead of having really spent time 
working on becoming an artist. And so for both of them, they made a lot of sacrifices to, to have this family, but they really, they're really happy and they really have a good relationship. And um, he's kidnapped by himself. And it is a version of him Ooh. that took the other, and that is a bit of a spoiler, but I feel like in order to really make the point I want to make for my pop culture, I have to give you that much. And so it kind of becomes that the two polar opposites, like the one that totally leaned into his career and the one that totally leaned into family, like have clashed. I won't tell you what happens with them. So there's, there's that. Um, so both of these books I've been reading and I feel like kind of multiverse exploration or like what would happen if you could live a different life stuff. I've read a lot of those books. I've watched a lot of those movies. I love them. I love them. And I am always like, why can't I get enough of these? And I think I figured out what it is. And I think it's that um, ultimately there's almost like an anti-colonialist message to them, which Ooh. is, which is this idea that like you, this isn't your life. Like you, you don't have the right to go in and you know take this like kind of like you don't have the right to go and take this life these resources from someone else because they are they aren't yours right um and I think I find a lot of comfort in that because I am somebody who spends a lot of time analyzing before I make a decision and I often feel like oh my gosh should I have done something different and so I think to just be given permission to be like, okay, well, you've made a decision and that other option is no longer yours. Like you would be colonizing to try to go and figure out what that would be like you, this is, this is your land. Like that's not your land. You don't get to go take it. Um, And so I don't, I just, I like, I haven't fully fleshed out like what that means, but I've just been thinking about it a lot and it feels very right to me. This kind of Yeah, I love that. Sorry, I don't have much to add. I'm just like, woof, thinking through that and thinking through all the time loop movies and culture I've taken in. I think you should write something about that. I think I think I'd like to write something about it. I would love to read more about that. I already want to. I'm like thinking about it and my brain I can't quite scramble up onto it. So you do that. You do that. So you I do that. <laughs> I want to read about this on Medium in uh, two to seven weeks, <laughs> maybe ten. Once I get final grades in, let them I be. really like that idea, and I've never heard anything like it. Brilliant, love it. Write it. Go. Bye. So <laughs> sorry, no. sorry. I have to end the podcast. I have to go write. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye. No. That's your research right. too. We just won't <laughs> <Yeah>. record. <laughs> Are we ready for research? Uh, ready for research. What you got? Awesome. I promised you a very intriguing research thing. That is TBD because I wanted to keep this seasonally themed, but it is coming and I am okay. excited about it. I've been doing a lot of research. This is an ongoing many week research thing. I love just the many week research out. the most. So oh, I yeah. will be patient. So, and just to lure people in after the break, there's something coming, but for my thematic one and since i've been working on this this isn't fully flushed out but again it's seasonal so have fun with this um again i have a question for you do you believe houses can be haunted 
Oh, big sigh, big sigh, big deep breath in. <sighs> I have I, a lot to say. I or don't you have very little to say. I don't think I do. I ultimately, I don't think I believe in haunting or ghost or sticking around after you're gone. Um, but it's not a very firm disbelief. Like I wouldn't reject somebody telling that. me that, that they had a if, if if a credible story came my way I would entertain the idea um and I also believe that people believe it like I don't think that like people are deluded yes. like I feel like there's yeah no. that it's not just scammers or deluded people yeah. who are having these experiences um yes that was the most I... wishy-washy answer because <laughs> my answer is like yeah I well do I believe houses can be haunted ushers in the question first do you believe in ghosts right right unless unless haunt you know you could have answered a much more roundabout like haunted by what by yeah, memories well, of then, course. yeah yeah mysteries colonialist past future time warp cells yeah i mean um, in that sense absolutely but if we mean yeah. ghosts that is absolutely what i bet we are talking ghosts here um cute ghostbuster music uh so I do believe in ghosts, I think. I, I just, I, I do. Um, maybe I just want to really bad. Uh, and I don't know why that is, because I'm with you. Like, once you're gone, you're gone. But, and maybe it isn't even, like, human beings fully, contra- you know. But there's some sort of energy thing or something I definitely believe in. Maybe it is our past or alternate live selves, just all around us, all the time. Whatever it is, I think I believe in ghosts. Um, a lot of my family does and has really good ghost stories that I enjoy. I definitely, I have night terrors. So I often have to say, this is a night terror. Not a ghost, but you know, who's to say? Terror. Who's to say the ghost isn't causing your night terrors? That's kind of what I mean when I'm like, is it like a human being that has died and come back? I don't know. But like, night terrors are weird, right? Yeah. There are times when I, I have night terrors almost every night. And I sit up, I have to clear my eyes and blink, right? And I know that the thing I'm seeing will go away. But there have been at least a dozen times where I blink and blink and it does not go away. And I know I am up. And that is disconcerting. At a period of time last year where I would wake up at the same time every night. Every night for two weeks and thought someone was sitting on the bed. And then... All of that, I'm just like, maybe ghosts are real. My grandma has great story, gross stories. My aunt, my mom. We have a haunted piano in my childhood home. But there was one night, there was one time last year where I was laying in bed and something just, and I was alone, something just sat on the bed. And that feeling of like something sitting and the blankets moving and the pressure of it, I don't know what else could have done that at all. I just don't have an explanation for it. And I wasn't. I wasn't asleep. I wasn't about to fall asleep. I was reading. I was very awake. I don't know what it was. And that that was my moment where I'm like, I'm not on the fence anymore and open to it. I don't know what that was. Oh, so. And which, I'm which house this. was this in? My house in Colorado. Okay. And, um, but I, I live in, this is all going to come into play. I live in a house. Well, I grew up in a house that um, I think could easily be said to be haunted and um, a lot of people died in it and it has a cemetery in the backyard so hey i've seen the cemetery yes we've got there a lot 
But basically, I'm here to talk to you about haunted houses. And this was inspired by a recent event of mine, not a personal ghost haunting. But to say, do you believe in haunted houses? Let's start the research off right here. I found a Gallup poll in 2005, which is a bit dated, but oh well, that 37% of Americans, 28% of of Canadians... And 40% of Britons believe that houses could be haunted. I love that the British are far and away the biggest believers in haunted houses. Um, And then there was a 2009 Pew Research Center survey where it said 29% of Americans believed they had been in touch with someone who had died. And then a research poll released in 2020 said 40% of Canadian women and 25% of Canadian men stated they believed in haunted houses and that article i just found it was a weird article that was like canadian women are much more likely to believe in ghosts i'm like why is that why do we need the gender bias but okay um and so i read a couple books i skimmed them one was by benjamin radford which is called investigating the scientific search for spirits and he says in his research like every town has at least one haunted place that everyone agrees oh that's the haunted place and that's a really interesting phenomenon that there isn't many places he has been to that doesn't if you ask around you want like that's the haunted place and despite over a hundred years of investigation he's researched according to benjamin radford there has not been quote a single verifiable fact about ghosts having been established unfortunately um, I looked into, I wanted to look into the history of haunted houses, but of course that's very interlinked with ghosts. And I found out that, of course, this is a very Western reporting I'm doing, a re- Western concept of afterlife and ghosts, that in the first century AD, Pliny the Younger recorded one of the first notable ghost stories in his letters, and that became famous. Um mainly those currently aren't because of ghost stories, but of how vividly he accounted like daily life in the Roman empire. So it's very worthwhile. Um, And in that story, Pliny said that an old man with a long beard and rattling chains. So the image of rattling chains is pretty much in the origins of it was haunting his house in Athens. Another excellent book I found was by Owen Davies called the haunted, a social history of ghosts in which I learned basically much to my chagrin, a lot of these books just spend a long time dispelling every haunted house ghost story you've ever heard. And there are a lot of good reasons for it. Um, For example, um, Owen Davies looked into a haunting of a house in Somerset in England in the 18th century. And it was a boy who could make the whole house shake. He had found a beam in an adjoining property that if he jumped on it, the other house would shake and he convinced everyone the house was haunted. Architecturally terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. And I like the creativity there. Even better, in 1857, he found out about a 12-year-old girl who people thought was haunted, but she confessed to tying her very long hair around objects and then moving her head. So it looked like they were moving on their own, <laughs> which I thought was very like, like cool. a single strand of her. Like I guess because you can see, it. see it. <laughs> I love it. Just all those like little hairs. Woo, woo, woo. Um, I love it. It was great. And then there was a girl from Columbus, Ohio, named Tina Resch, who claimed that again ghosts were in her home. 
And that's a very famous occurrence. And she was photographed. They, they brought in ghost hunters who photographed everything and just straight up caught her throwing a phone. She was just very good at like, when are people not looking at me? Um, and then, of course, so little kids wanting attention is great, which really struck home with me. I was hospitalized for a long time one summer when I was young, and I figured out I had to have an oxygen tank the whole time. And my oxygen was monitored. And I figured that if I um, bent the tube to my oxygen tank in such a way, I would still get oxygen, but it would make everything beep really loud. And I did that all the time, um, which is a version, if not my own body is haunted by myself. So they're also, of course, one of the major causes of haunted house is just exposure to poisonous substances. Carbon monoxide poisoning explains like 90% of all haunted houses, as well as formaldehyde and pesticides. Lead, um, I bet, is also up there. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. Right? All of those things can lead to hallucinations. And there's a toxicologist named Albert Dunnay who's written about this extensively and says, interestingly enough, that the prevalence of gas lamps, the gas lamps were popularized during the Victorian era. And then there were a lot more ghost sightings once you get gas lamps in people's homes. And he calls it right because Victorian era is kind of a very popularization of ghosts. And he calls that haunted house syndrome where these gas lamps were poisoning people en masse. Um, Carbon monoxide poisoning definitely linked to haunted house claims. There's a modern example where um, a writer and host of the podcast, no Ross and Carrie, whose name is Carrie Poppy, was convinced she was living in a haunted house and talked about this all the time on the podcast. And Maybe I had a carbon monoxide poisoning problem in Colorado Springs, <laughs> that that was the issue. And I never had a monitor. Um, ooh, no, I'm rethinking my ghost. Because oh, we no. did have, because um, in Colorado, especially because you're up in the mountains, sometimes if you have a basement, and not a lot of people have basements because of this, and we did have a basement, I forget what substance it was, but you had to constantly check if your basement was having that substance. And we were like right on the limit. Oh, no. My ghost was a poisoning. No. Oh, I hate this research. I, I've researched my own ghost and I talked myself out of it. Oh, anyway. Glad you're not being poisoned anymore. <laughs> Glad I'm out of that house. Oh, boy. I miss that house. But it's like, oh, maybe I was being poisoned. <laughs> um. Now that I think about it, I set the basement up during COVID to work out in. And when I went and worked out there, I felt like I was going to die. So I think, oh, oh, well, well, great. Now you can add me to this long and honorable list of people. who We're watching research ghosts. in real time. <laughs> <laughs> this realization, I'm the subject of the research. Oh, God. God's um, research. <laughs> I did not think this through until I was doing it for someone else. So anyway. There are a lot of haunted houses that are very, very famous, but I am here to talk to you. I did that preliminary research just so I could put this somewhere, which is um, I want to talk to you about the Brumley House in Brumley, Missouri, also known as the Haunted Castle. And this is a commercial haunted house. It is somebody's home. It is a it is a property that was built as a home in the 1700s and in about... Let me look at the their actual historical timeline. In 
2013, someone bought it for it to be an Airbnb. And they said they experienced a lot of spooky things and turned it into like a haunted Airbnb. Now, the commercial bonuses of having a haunted Airbnb, especially in a place like Brumley. Brumley, Missouri is a very small town. Its population is 104. And um, I drove through it. I went to visit the haunted castle. And it is one of those small towns that's very spread out that has... um, like it definitely has two Baptist churches and nothing else. The VFW hall closed years ago. You can tell. So there's not much there. And I could totally see someone coming in from out of town thinking what a beautiful area it's near the Lake of the Ozarks. Let's make an Airbnb, not really making it. And then saying, Ooh, what else can we do? Let's get this to be a tourist property. I bet it's haunted. And so not to be crass, but yeah, that's kind of, it's a commercial haunted house. And of course, I researched the concept of commercial haunted houses, which um, some people think started in 1915. Some people think it started a lot earlier than that. But again, England, where everyone believes in ghosts, the highest percentage of ghost believers and gas lamp. Someone ran those numbers and was like, hey, (laughs) Um, that there was a haunted house in the Hollycomb Steam Collection. And that became that house, this Hollycomb Hollycomb Steam House. No one can agree what the first haunted house was or where that concept came from. Because Ghoster is old as ancient Rome. Pliny the Elder said he had a haunted house. But like commercial haunted houses, this was one of the first famous ones people would go to as a destination. Everyone agrees, though, that Disneyland's haunted mansion is what made in pop culture the haunted house a thing that everyone knows about and is just so in common vernacular and the hollycomb steam house and the winchester house which is in california and is one of the most famous haunted houses those two houses were the model for disneyland's haunted mansion that opened in 1969 and there was a boom of commercial haunted houses in the 70s so it's a pretty Everyone agrees on that history. And most of those homes come from the Gilded Age because a lot of them are abandoned and very poorly maintained and lying around. I would love to see a revival of haunted house craze with mega mansions someday soon. I think it's ripe for that. Of course, the Gilded Age is better because a lot more people died in their homes, right? I learned in my research that legally... You, in most places in the U.S., you do have to disclose if a house is haunted. There was a case called Stamboisky versus Ackley in the Supreme Court of New York, the appellate division. And do you? Yeah, it's because um, it's in- must disclose. Oh, Michelle's pulling out a book. How would you rule? Oh, X, you've talked about this book and teaching it. Yes. Well, there you go. That they have to disclose that a house has a reputation. Not that it's haunted, but has a reputation for being so, haunted. Do you know what happened in that in that story? I or, don't. Okay. All right. I didn't so, do that much research. So it's, More it's, research. It's really fun. Um, so they bought this house from a woman who had, before she sold the house, done a sponsored 
contest in Reader's Digest to talk about her paranormal home and had like, you know, like she had talked it up, like it had been a fun thing. But then when she went to sell it, she didn't mention any of that. And so her argument was like, look, I don't have, she's like, ghosts aren't real. I don't have to disclose this. And they were like, you said ghosts were like, you believed it when you, and she's like, look, like, and so, um, so the judge was like, I don't want to rule on whether or not ghosts are real. Ghosts are real. That's not like, so the judge like pretty carefully navigated the ruling to just be like, you know, you, let me see if I can find the exact quote from in here. Um, Ackley had created the situation that impaired the value of her house by telling the world that it was haunted. In the court's view, it was unfair for her to force the sale upon a buyer who didn't know about her claims and who had no reason to inquire whether the owner had ever publicly proclaimed the house was haunted. So they just stuck to like, look, we're going to hold you to the public image that you put out in the world. We're not going to try to make a ruling on whether or not ghosts exist or whether or not this house is haunted. But it has a nice happy ending because um, so they rescinded the contract. The The people who were buying the house got their money back. And Helen Ackley found another buyer for her house who actually paid extra for it because they wanted a haunted house. So everybody got what they wanted in the end. <laughs> Yay. That's what I'm, that's, no, I love this live research on the fly for this. <laughs> um, so I'm looking, I just really, I just looked up also why you're saying that the gas that's pop that's really prevalent in Colorado basements and it's radon which is a radioactive thing does radon it, cause hallucinations from what I just quickly researched it mainly causes shortness of breath but I'm <laughs> not going to rule it out that I didn't have radon poisoning as much as I want to so <laughs> um so yeah I'm really interested in Brumley House because I think it is very clearly that kind of thing where they've manufactured this haunted thing. The house is called the Haunted Castle because it looks a little like a castle. The area it is in is like very spooky. And I just became enamored with this concept of like, how do you get that going? How do you make a house become haunted? And in part, it is because I watched, I as soon as I got home from visiting this place, I watched a lot of YouTube videos on it and it has had like some very legit, I mean, none of these things are legit ghost hunting shows, paranormal investigators, but like not just randos on YouTube. They've had actual televised shows come and record there quite a lot. And I think the key is once you've done that, you're golden. Then you have the stamp of approval. So um, more about that, but just to quickly finish up the history of haunted houses that I did research on. There's also a book I looked at by Lisa Morton called Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween. And basically that links Halloween themed haunted houses. So not commercial haunted houses, like this is a legit ghost or here come see, but like, ooh, haunted yeah, house that like you have like at your church to raise or, money yeah, yeah. or exactly. Um, those started during the Great Depression. Because American parents during the Great Depression wanted a way. Like you said, this is why we love fall and why we love Halloween. It's scrappy. And so those became big during the Great Depression because there wasn't a lot of money. And parents schemed up ways to distract you. We can jump out at you and that doesn't cost anything. Exactly. Um, So 
they mainly did them in like basements. Like a lot of families would get together and have one in their basement. Do you remember? Um, my mom used to make haunted houses at our house for Halloween. They were yes, really fun. They she, were did, fun. she did a really good job. They were scary. Hey guys, editing Catherine here without my microphone. Sorry about how I sound. This clip got mangled even beyond my repair. So basically I'm just talking about how I had a birthday party one year that was horror themed, which unfortunately was before I met Michelle. So she did not know about it. My parents went all out on that. It's fun when your parents do to the point where my dad made like a model of my little brother and pretended to get in a fight with my little brother, like, like threw it out the window during the night. They lowered a balloon like down at the window when we were watching stuff. Personalized gravestones of how everyone died. It was very fun. Um, I still remember that horror part. So yes, I love Halloween for the scrappy stuff, and I've always been into it. I'm remembering, but to so the haunted Man- mansion at Disney World is kind of what popularized. Everyone agrees that popularized it in pop culture, and um. Morton, again, I'm going to read from Lisa Morton's book. She says, quote, what made the Haunted Mansion so successful and so influential was not its similarity to haunted houses and dark rides, which was a tawdry carnival haunted house or a stage play where people enacted gore, which were pretty popular, but its use of startling new technologies and effects. And I didn't research that. There's so many good podcasts and things on the history of the Haunted Mansion. It's pretty fascinating. I'm not that into Disney at all, but that's very interesting. And fun fact, I did watch an entire 25-minute long video of the Haunted Mansion at Shanghai Disneyland. And it was a delight. And then I think that's going to be my new relaxing thing is watching theme park rides on YouTube. (laughs) But... There's another really interesting history because of cultural beliefs there about ghosts and hauntings. Having a haunted house would have been considered a mockery of their culture and fear in Shanghai. And so instead, how do you make a haunted house that doesn't have any actual ghosts or dead people? It is the stories of a little trickster monkey who releases magic and all the objects in the home come to life, which I think is a very good workaround. Yeah. Um. So yeah, back to Brubley, known as the Haunted Castle. It's just cool. It's not too far from where you and I grew up in Missouri. It's not too far from St. Louis. It's near the Lake of the Ozarks. And it is just kind of, once you start watching the shows and you see the inside of the house, it is a weird abomination of different designs and styles. And they just have not fixed the house. And they're just saying it's all haunted. And they are really pushing what can be hauntings um they have a graveyard in the backyard they claim but on the show i saw there isn't actually any gravestones or any history or records of anyone being buried there and they're like yeah but we got in like cadaver dogs and they smelled stuff and we dug up and we found some bones the only thing they could verify is that there was a mass dog grave from the previous owners and i'm like yeah, we both live in this area. It's rural Missouri. People, of course there's yeah. a mass dog grave. Yeah. Um, so this just got me to thinking about the house I grew up in with a real cemetery in the back and all of the skill set of my friends and friend and loved ones and family. I think we could make an excellent commercial haunted house really easily. 
and now I kind of uh my brain you know I've been thinking of like escapist fantasies from work but my brain is like I want to start a commercial haunted house at my childhood home anyway to give you more of a taste of the Brumley haunted house on their history page before they tell you the history of the house this is what they start off with I'm going to read it verbatim history is a funny thing it happens one very specific way yet it's rare for any two people to agree on exactly what that way is e.g witnesses to JFK's assassination or fans on opposite teams reacting to an official's call. Oh, we're in trouble. We're already same, in trouble same. And it goes on and on. And it ends with whatever the case may be, the following is what we believe to be the most accurate account of the history of the Haunted Castle. Whatever the case and then may be. they go, who can say? We're not. It's not like, it's not like history is a field with standards <laughs> with or anything. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Being in rural Missouri, people do like to keep records. Any library yeah. has a pretty great genealogy. Anyway, if you want to find graves, you can. But just to end this up, my research basically very ring research on haunted houses. And the Brumley House in particular, I think is a really interested, interesting commercial haunted house. And I'll link to some of the shows I watched because it's really fun. Um, but yeah, that started being a haunted house in 2013. And the owners, Nick Sacco and Marcy Hootner, owned it for three years. They restored the house. And um, they did, however, leave after seeing Nick's doppelganger one night and prompted oh. them to sell the home. Who could who could blame them? Exactly. That might have been his multiverse. Kidnapper. Ooh, see, I want this theory of hauntings and ghosts are just our multiverse selves. So... 2018 to the present, it's now owned by Dr. Steve and Judy Skinner, who are originally from Kentucky. And Steve has been a practicing dermatologist in Alabama for over 25 years. Well, that's a switch. And, right? He and Judy hope to continue preserving the Castle House and hosting paranormal investigations, tours, and special events. You can go stay the night there. One thing, though, I want to end with that I did fully do research as I was watching one of these Ghost Hunter shows. I am obsessed with ghost hunting shows, and I absolutely someday I'm going to write an academic paper about the technology they use and the places they go. It's very Foucauldian. It's very psychoanalytic. I find it fascinating. But what made me cackle and cackle is I am kind of an expert in ghost hunting tools and technology. And the people on this show just had all those things like EVP meters and like um there is something called a ghost box, which is basically just something that picks up radio signals and flits through them very quickly so that it sounds like voices coming through and one word things and you can interpret them. But I just love that these ghost hunters had all of that technology, spirit boxes, EVP readers um, on apps. And they just pulled out their phones and it's just them on their phones, which really takes it down a notch. Right. Like you can make your phone do whatever you want. <laughs> and Most I know that's this... also true of the devices that you create for this purpose, but it doesn't but feel still, like that. You know? But still, with those devices, I'm not going to go out and buy them. With these apps, they sh I could see what the apps were called. I had my phone next to me. Most of them were $5.99 and I was not going to pay for one. But I am going to open for you. The Ghost Talker Light, which is the free version. Light, light, of course. And I had, so I just recently saw um, my niece. If you have a child in your life who doesn't get too easily scared and likes spooky stuff, I cannot recommend downloading this app enough. We spent hours with this app and it was so fun. 
Um, and basically you can calibrate it. I had calibrated it. Sorry, Charlotte, if you're listening to this as an adult or something and you're like, no, my memory is my whole but life. I, I had calibrated right it to poisoning. where right, I could very <laughs> suddenly um, move my knee very little and it would produce a, a, a sound. And that was very fun. So I could do it whenever I wanted. Very seancey. And um, it also, you can calibrate it to where if you touch your phone, it does it. But I just want to play it for you for a second um, so you can hear what it sounded like. And this was just going nonstop in the back of the show. And it sounds so stupid and it delighted me. So again, Ghost Talker Light. Go download it for Halloween. And let's see if it picks okay. it up. Real. Afternoon. Tell. Bring. Tired. Cool. Self. It sounds like some kind of winter word association. Childhood. That's exactly Sick. what it is. Um, it's very psychoanalytic and it just spits out words as fast or slow as you want. So you could talk to the ghost. And then, yeah, that's what we did. We would ask the ghost a question and then you just interpret the hell out of whatever, whatever one word or set of words come up. It's so fun. Um, so yeah, that is my research into ghosts and haunted houses. Thank you for sharing that research. My research is about the ant and the grasshopper. Do you know this fable? Of course you know this fable. Boy, howdy. So the ant and the grasshopper um, is just very quickly give you the overview so the basic thing here is that there is an ant and a grasshopper the grasshopper is playing his music um and the ant is like you should be gathering stuff for the winter and the grasshopper is like i want to play music and then winter comes and the the grasshopper is begging the ant to let him eat because he has no food and depending on which version you read the ant says too bad go eat your music and the grasshopper dies or the ant set, makes fun of him and says, you shouldn't have done this, but fine, come on in. I have plenty for you because I am so well prepared. What a great person I am. I have never read a story with that version of it, which I think is interesting. So it's you've only dead. ever seen, always dead? Always okay. dead. Always denied and dead. So I'm going to get to why I'm talking about this story, but I think it'll be most enjoyable if I first go through some history of it and then then get there. So I am like, stoked. You know. I'm stoked. There was one point where one of my brothers was going to get this as a tattoo. So I'm very invested. Really? I am. That and is not fascinating. the brother you might think. Hmm. Okay. Well, you'll tell me that story later. Should maybe send this segment to him. All right. I'm very excited to hear histories and research. So um, the grasshopper and the ant is one of Aesop's fables. And in the main fable that has been passed around, it is a moral lesson about the virtues of hard work and making sure that you have planned for the future and stocked up for all contingencies. Um, but there is a counter fable that is also collected by Aesop um, in which, let me make sure I get this entirely right, um, numbered 166 in the Perry Index, which might mean something to those of you who collect fables. That does mean something to me. Okay. For my dissertation, I actually did have to look into the numeration system for fables that's exciting that that knowledge came in use for one more time there you go cool, cool cool yeah okay so the first one is 373 in the Perry index and the anti-fable is 166 in the Perry index so in that one 
The ant was once a man who was always busy farming and was never satisfied with the results that he got. And so he went and took his neighbor's crops at night because he always wanted more and more and more. So he was very, very greedy. So the gods, as punishment, turned him into an ant. And even though he was in this new shape, he continued to act with such greed and the constant need to work, 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 work with no satisfaction, gathering the fruits of other people's labor, much like ants steal our stuff. And um, the moral of that one is that it's about, you know, like greed and that you can change in appearance, but not change your moral nature. Um, So, yeah, there's that. I think we need a renaissance of that version these days. Right? Well, wait. Wait till you hear. It's, it's going to get wild. So um, it has been captured in music. There have been a lot of, there was like a French uh, musical about it. There was, it's, it has been a, like an opera. Like there's lots of all these adaptations of this story. Um, and I, I just find all that interesting. I mean, it, it's basically similar, but there's all these like engravings that are also kind of creepy looking, these French like 1830s engravings of this grasshopper and ant. Um, And it has been very interestingly to me interpreted in ways that feel really, I mean, oppositional to one another. So there are people who read it and say that it is a parable about how important charity is and how important it is to be kind and to um you know give from your abundance i mean almost a a socialist rendering of it right and then there are people who use it as a very sort of conservative argument about if you don't take care of yourself you know like a bootstraps argument right like you need to provide for yourself you need to be self-sufficient um in so much so that some Republican commentators have used it as like like political satire. So Jim Quinn, mm-hmm. who was a, a Pittsburgh talk show host, the conservative talk show host, was attacking Clinton's social program by um, using the story, a satirical version of it, in which the uh, grasshopper calls a press conference about socioeconomic inequity and gets end up being given the ant's house. Um, and then Michelle Malkin wrote a satirization of it calling Barack Cicada for the, Bar- Barack Obama's social policies. Um, I went and looked at that. I'm going to see if there's any any quotes worth sharing from that. I don't I don't want to give Michelle Malkin too much airtime, but um, it is like written in fable. It's from September 29th, 2008. And it starts out like in a meadow on a hot summer's day, a grasshopper was chirping and uh, and wasting his time away, he watched scornfully as an ant nearby struggled to store up large kernels of food and build a secure nest. So it it is written in that form. And then it, it gets to like, you know, very specifically making fun of um, Obama's policies and like acorn and, you know, all the stuff that we were railing. It seems so quaint now with our current political. Right? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Speaking of like brothers, I was talking to my brother about like politics and stuff and he has small children and he said that he mentioned Obama and his children looked at him and said, who's Obama? <gasps> Can you imagine the kids like are growing up? Oh, it's all po- like they weren't it's alive. All it's all Trump. <gasps> oh. No wonder. No wonder some children have issues these days. Anyway, sorry. That just blew my mind. It made me very sad. Yeah, no, no. That makes me very sad too. Oh. 
Our little aunt, minding his own business, heard a knock on his door one late winter night a year later. It was his old sneering grasshopper neighbor with acrons, presidential candidate Barack Cicada now in office. The grasshopper had been hired parody. by Ugh. the meadow as a tax collector, right? Okay, so obviously this has been picked up to like be a metaphor for, you know, the welfare state and all of the terrible stereotypes that have been used to go against you know um, Which is safety net like, policies i'm not surprised at all right that's a reading of it but like also that just you have to totally acknowledge that when that creature dies which in this case they are comparing them to human beings of course they are like yeah i am fine with a certain level of just people dying which of course we know they are but so and then as I'm reading all of these different histories of it and these different ways it's been interpreted and used, I'm like, why isn't anybody talking about the fact that, like, the grasshopper was making art? Like, why Why is it, like, no one's talking about that part? Enter Toni Morrison and her son Slade. Um, they wrote several books together. One of them is called, it's a series of fables called Who's Got Game? And um, I didn't get all, I, I ordered from the library two of them, but I did listen to a long portion of the ant and the grasshopper version of this so in the in the ant and the grasshopper it's foxy g and kid a foxy g is the grasshopper and kid a is the ant and they're playing on the basketball court and having fun but kid a is like oh no i have to go get ready for winter and foxy g is like i'm sorry i have to play this music it's just what it fills me and it spills out of me this is what i have to do and then foxy g comes to kid a in the winter when he's hungry and um here are a few of the lines that i thought deserve to be captured i quenched your thirst and fed your soul you can't spare me a donut hole nice Nice. i'm an i'm an artist that's what i do you loved my music so respect me too art is work it just looks like play and i I, all of these need to be on posters (laughs) and i got like an audiobook version of it so there's like some like jazz music like it's i don't know it's, it's very fun um, also, I didn't know that um, I knew that Toni Morrison and Slade Morrison had co-written several children's books together, but I didn't know that Slade Morrison had died in 2010 at just the I age of 45 oh, from no. um, pancreatic cancer. So I learned that while I was researching mm-hmm. this and that made me really sad. Um, yeah, but they did several children's books together. The Probably one of their most famous ones is The Big Box, um, which I've used with the children's philosophy class. And if when these come, I'm going to use oh. these with another children's philosophy class. So thank you, Excellent. Tony and Slade Morrison, for providing plenty of opportunity to discuss philosophy with kids. I'm very excited about it. So why, why am I researching this fable? Well, um, I'm teaching that class on time management. And so I want to talk about how me- messages of time management get put out into the world. And so I am thinking about collecting some fables on that and we can talk about them in different ways to interpret them so probably this one in the little red hen would be the two most obvious ones to use but the reason i was thinking of the ant and the grasshopper is because i went out to a festival um this past weekend and i was there with a friend and this little bee came and landed on our like where we were sitting and um she is very like animal and eco-conscious and is always like you know i want to help things and even if it's their last minute I want to make sure it's comforting for them and so she like she was like well bees overwinter so maybe if we go tuck it down here in this like um you know 
where this wood these wood chips are it might be able to burrow in and, and make it and make it through the winter i was like okay cool like i don't know much about bees but fine um so we were doing that and while we were there there was this grasshopper and my son was like oh look a grasshopper she's like yeah well there's nothing we can do for that one like they die in the winter and so i was like oh that's why it was playing its fiddle like um <laughs> so so i was like why don't we have a like realistic biology interpretation of the ant and yeah. the grasshopper which is like look i'm gonna die there's no reason for me to hoard a bunch of food that i'm never yes. gonna get to eat i'm gonna play this music memento mori i was like the this grasshopper is a stoic the grasshopper is not lazy so um yeah i grasshopper's like look there's food while i'm alive i'm gonna eat as much food as i need and play music i don't need to put away a bunch that i'm never gonna get to touch that's just wasteful so of both my I time and that. the resources. Yes. Oh, I'm not going to be remembered for how much food I ate, but I can live on after with my yeah. heart. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So that is my research thing. Amazing. Amazing. I feel like you made me really sad and then really thoughtful. I feel very emotional and my brain is working too hard for what time it is after the, especially after the colonial time loop i love this episode already i'm very excited for this let's wrap up let's wrap up i feel like we gotta do good on this but i can't think of anything immediately okay my weird thing was human composting my weird thing was the removal of the freestyle machine uh, r.i.p both human remains and freestyle machines um my pop culture thing was the movie creep and what like what makes a good horror movie what do we like mine was blake crouch's novels and the anti-colonialist messaging and multiverse and time loop explorations and then my research was on haunted houses and commercial haunted houses through the example of Brumley House, the haunted castle in Brumley, Missouri. And mine was the ant and the grasshopper and its various interpretations over the years. Okay. There seems like there is some connection. There's a lot of death. We always want to say, oh, stories we tell ourselves. Like we always go there. So I will not go with stories we tell ourselves. But there does seem to be something about we what we think is suitable to do with a dead body when what we have created that is suitable is not suitable, right? When I say a body just wants to decompose is all it wants to do. And it's good for everyone when it does. And we fight against that so hard. Um, when we say we're the interpretation of the ant and grasshopper, even on like a biological happens to those creatures level is very correct haunted houses as we just realized how time could just be poisoned people um time loops are colonization stories there's so much here and yet i'm not gonna let us off the loop with off the loop that was pretty well you just off said the we, hook. when you said something that we fight against it so hard i mean is there something in all of these about fighting against you know change someone fighting against someone yeah, that someone would rather live in a haunted house because sometimes you really want to believe in those things and allow yourself to just, instead of going, oh, this is probably a hallucination um, from symptoms from poisoning, being like, no, 
It's a no, ghost and I ghost. will not do anything about it. I'm just going to live with my ghost right here. Yeah. And I mean, the, yeah, the, and the grasshopper, like, if you're asking the grasshopper to fight against its nature, that is, it's going to die in the winter to make it act. And like all of our, the reason human composting is weird is because we have all of these methodologies that are fighting against our nature. And then um, in time loop stories, and especially the ones you brought to the table today, it is it is human nature to regret and to wish you could redo things and you to fight against the trajectory of your life going in one seemingly one direction. Yeah. Um, but that actually to to think that way could be colonizing and violent. The freestyle machines are were a moment of change that we were fighting against the way they used to be. And we told ourselves that it was just too hard. There was a time when that was not too hard. And And then there was a time where that was too hard. We can't do that anymore. I want to make a list of like, it's just too hard to do this now. Huh. Hmm. Okay, so... (laughs) Is Is that our... It's just too hard to do this now. It's just too hard to do this now. It's just too hard to deal with my poisoning. It's just too hard. Oh, God. That's a... I don't know, man. It's just too hard to do this now. It's meta because it's just too hard to do this now to come up with a better one for these really weird... I kind of like it. It's just too hard to do this now. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it does... But it's the, if you actually, if you think about it, it does become very big and very important and very telling, right? Because it's it's easier. the now, it's the now, it's now. That, like is all packed and in it's there, the right? Systems in place that we very difficult systems of creating all of creating a taste for complicated sodas. We have we cannot put that monster back in the box now that the box is opened, but also like. The simplest thing in the world is just to let bodies rot. And now it is hard. It's only illegal in like seven states. It's very hard to do the simple thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's like, it's like, um, what's the, the sentence where if you put only in it, it changes the word. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. It's a, he told her that he loved her. So if you if you write, he told her that he loved her, like you in front of every word, only were in there. It. So like only he only told her he. that he loved her. He only told her that he loved her. He told only her that he loved her. He told her only that he loved her. He told her that only he loved her. He told her that he only loved her. He told her that he loved only her. He told her that he loved her only. Right. So like you can. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. And I feel like this. It's just too hard to do this now would be like depending on where you put the stress. Right. Like it's just too hard to do this now. It's just too hard to do this now. It's just like I feel like you could it's just too hard to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Nope. There we go. It's just too hard to do this now. It's just too hard to do this now. I like it. <laughs> yep. And I hope that that lesson can go out to boo baskets and they fail. It's just too hard to do this now. Halloween is, is not the time. Halloween is Halloween is scrappy and throw it together and just stop. You have your holiday. 
for this fancy pants, high expectations. You leave us alone. To big boo basket. I say it's just too hard to do this now. We are fall people. We throw on leggings and hoodies. We do not sparkle it up. Yep. That's it. That's it. Just too hard to do just too hard this to do now. This now. So we'll see you in several in several fortnights. And uh, happy Halloween. Go enjoy. If you are in the hemisphere that has any sort of crisp air, go enjoy it. Enjoy um, it. Lucky you. Yep. Goodbye, Michelle. Goodbye. Goodbye.